0: mm <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they are especially proud of, advice they would give to women following in their footsteps, and much, much more. I'm Joy Rios. I'm Robin Roberts. And this is our eighth episode of the season. Today, we'll be chatting with Megan Landry. Megan heads the Health Informatics Master's Program over at the University of New England and has a great perspective worth sharing. So let's jump right in.
1: So I'm Megan Landry. I am the Program Director for the Health Informatics Program here at the University of New England. We're located in Maine, but because we're an online program, we have a pretty far reach. My story started many years ago as a nurse. Um, I worked in critical care and emergency room nursing. And back in those days, we still had um, paper clipboards. And the trouble with paper clipboards is only one person could have that clipboard at a time. And when you had a critical care patient, you were very limited in the information you could have because you didn't have the clipboard. So at that time, I was asked by our nursing director um, if I'd be interested in helping implement an electronic medical records system. And I jumped at the chance to participate in that. I saw the computer system as a way to provide me as a bedside nurse to have more information at the bedside with the patient, but it also provided me an opportunity to share information with the care team in a more thoughtful way. The other thing that was frustrating to me as an emergency room nurse was um, the inefficiencies and the waste and the waiting, and I saw computer systems as a way to make things more efficient and help patients get the care they needed in a timely fashion. So that was kind of the beginning of my interest in informatics and my desire to use technology to help healthcare. After that point, I transitioned into a clinical analyst position or a clinical informaticist position, kind of interchangeable depending on who you talk to. And I oversaw the electronic medical records for the emergency departments for seven hospitals here in the state of Maine. That was um, fun and exciting and interesting. Learned a lot from that organization. About that time, I started doing some some teaching part-time as an adjunct faculty because I always enjoyed education. And when I moved away from bedside care, I wasn't able to do any education. As nurses, we educate our patients. So I had kind of missed that. So I started teaching. My career continued to grow and I moved into a manager and director position of a large informatics team um, in the state of Maine, working for a much larger organization. So that was very exciting participated in the implementation of a large epic system for a visiting home health nurses organization here and was on a team that did it at the large hospital so participated in that as well and after having that experience i was really ready to kind of recommit my interest in education and that's when i took the position at the university of new england and was offered a position to start their health informatics program here so it's a little my my short story about kind of how I got started. I think what really fires me up the most is I see technology as both good and bad. I see technology as a way to make healthcare much more efficient, cost efficient, more access, better use of information. But the problem is, if it isn't done in a thoughtful way, it can be damaging too. Technology that isn't implemented correctly without a lot of thought and planning is unsafe and it can be a problem for your patients and your patient care. So that is always where I land is, I love technology, but it's gotta be done correctly. It's gotta be done safely. It's gotta be done
2: efficiently
1: with all of those things. It can't always be about doing it quick and fast. It has to be safe. So those are the things that kind of excite me the most and why I transitioned from nursing into informatics.
3: Thank you. I, You know, it's really interesting obviously, we've all heard that saying garbage in, garbage out. With EHR systems and, you know, the way that they work, of course, design is incredibly important. And it's not necessarily just a given that just because someone doesn't have a clipboard in their hand that has all the information that now that it's in a system is uh, necessarily, you know, it's all, it makes it all better. So how do you guys address that in your curriculum? Like, are there, as I said conversation around design and you know how you approach maybe a technology implementation from the Mm -hmm. get-go. So
1: just a little bit about just kind of lay the framework of what we offer here. So our graduate degrees we offer two. We offer a graduate certificate, which is six courses and a master's degree in health informatics. So this graduate certificate is the first six courses of the master's degree. So We teach classes, and this is what sets us apart from some of our competitors, we teach a class on full system lifecycle implementation, so how you would implement, how you'd select a system, how you would vet a system, how you would write an RFP for a system, how you would implement it, test it, all the things that are industry standards in my mind that are important that we do kind of the right way. So we have a course that we teach, a three-credit course in that. We also have a whole course on healthcare quality. And again, this is really something different than some other schools is to me, if we aren't doing this for an eye on healthcare quality, then tag them out. Like I, I'm not interested because it's all about how patient outcomes to me and patient safety. So we make sure that our students are very clear about what healthcare quality looks like, what the metrics are like, how how the payer system plays into that in this country, how other countries do it. Maybe better, maybe worse. So we're kind of looking at all the different ways we can implement, but continue to do it in a, in a way that is safe.
2: I like that you have a very thoughtful end-to-end approach for all the different facets that are so important. You know, you, you touched on something that's um, a really a hot-button topic, especially for a lot of clinicians and physicians,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that is quality and, and how it's mm-hmm. measured. You know what are what are the thoughts and points around that that you give to your students, and you know how do you believe that that intersects with what goes on, but as you very well know, in a practical and clinical sense, and how we define kind of quote unquote quality.
1: One of the things that we try to impress upon in graduate work is to be a thinker, to be a thought leader. So it's not necessarily about how to do anything. I mean, we certainly teach how to do things, but we we try to impress upon how to do it the right way. So, how to build relationships and, and engage with everybody around the the topics that are important. A good example of this is quality, because I think at the end of the day, everybody in healthcare finds that to be the you know the most important thing, right? Like if we aren't taking care of our patients and in a quality manner, then you know it's kind of off or not. But how we do it is is important to really be thoughtful about and think. There's a, when there's a lot of different stakeholders, you know you have your board directors, you have your executives, you have your physicians, you have your nurses, you have your housekeeping staff. All of those voices need to be considered and thought about and so we really try to teach the students to be the the thoughtful person in the middle that can really help get us to the end with a quality outcome and also help everybody get there. There's a lot of you know groups in particularly physician groups that you know, feel that EHRs are very burdensome. So let's talk about that. We don't have to be reactionary. We have to be thoughtful about it. And how can we all get together and work with the vendors to make these tools meet meet everybody's needs, but most importantly, the people that are providing care? And, you know, another thing I'll say is that I am a huge consumer um, advocate. How can we use these tools to help the patients themselves as consumers. So how can the consumers interact with the technology? We need to have their voice in the conversation as well.
2: I feel like you did a really great job articulating not just the internal interdisciplinary kind of thinking that you're encouraging your students to do, but really on the system as a whole with consumers, mm-hmm. vendors, organizations, internally, of course, all the, all the clinical level people that do that and everyone being focused on it. And informatics is really something that a lot of people have become passionate about. When you think about your student makeup and the people coming to your programs, tell us what kind of backgrounds they have. Are they physicians? Are they administrators? Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of people are really taking an interest in this with you all?
1: Yeah, sure. I would say we accept any background. It, It tends to be easier if you have a healthcare background. So what has kind of come to be is that we have a lot of healthcare clinicians. Probably the largest population would be nurses. Um, We have physicians. We have therapists. We have a lot of pharmacists, um, pharmacy technicians, and a lot of radiology staff, medical technologist staff, so lab folks. So what's nice about that is it creates a nice diverse conversation in our discussion boards as you have a lot of different perspectives. It's almost like a a mini interprofessional conversation every time you have a discussion board. So that's really exciting. And then on top of that, we do have a lot of people that are kind of in healthcare, but not as clinicians. So they're in insurance and they're in quality and they're in public health, on and on and on.
3: So with students that I'm assuming since it's an online program, they must be from all over the country. And as you're saying, they have a diverse healthcare and non-healthcare professional background. What kind of trends and topics are they bringing about the industry? Because you must get some really great conversations from all sorts of different angles. Can you speak at all about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I've, Personally taught, um, you know I t- teach as, as well as being an administrator. Right, I teach some classes as well. And one of the things that kind of has been most surprising, and I don't really know why, is we've had a lot of folks that work in mental health and um, substance abuse treatment. And so that's been a really interesting that this has been a learning experience for me, engaging with that and seeing how we can in a, in a nation that's in crisis around these areas, how we can come together and be a little bit more thoughtful about how technology can both you know help and hinder that population as well. So I think that to me is an area that's been really interesting and I think a lot of people have learned a lot about just that shared learning around the folks that are really in in the middle of our opioid crisis, you know, sharing their experience and their insight about that has been really something I certainly learned a lot about, which which is fun as a as a faculty member is I get to learn from all these many experts in their field as we come together in thought.
3: That's really interesting you say that. Robin and I have been kind of diving into some of that, you know, the opioid crisis territory as well. And one thing I'm not sure that you're aware of, the 2019 final rules for MIPS and MACRA, is the federal law that uh, we follow includes additional points for people that use their technology and are querying the drug monitoring program as well as a verifying that there's an opioid treatment agreement in place. I mean, it's, it's really a growing area. So I imagine that from all walks of life, we're all kind of going to be learning more and more and more about that area, which it's good. I hope we put our efforts and make a difference. That'd be nice.
1: I was around when we did the beginning of meaningful use in the first wave of implementations of these systems, and you know it was clear then that we were sidestepping both mental health and long-term care. And at that time, I was like, we got to circle back. And and I'm glad that that we're starting to do that because the care of anybody is needs to be holistic. And so treating a person just physically is at the detriment of us all. So being able to use these systems and having those systems communicate when that makes sense. Is really powerful tool to help somebody who's in crisis.
2: You know, you highlighted system communication, really interoperability, and that was another thing they're, you know, they're focusing on in the MIPS rule, but it's probably one of the largest industry challenges going on. What other thoughts do you have from an informatics perspective in in teaching this and being an administrator around interoperability, and whether industry challenges are really prevalent in things that you and your students are speaking about?
1: I mean, I don't know that I necessarily have the the golden keys to the castle i think that there's pocket i think we look at the areas that have been successful and and learn from that i happen to live in a state that has a significantly robust health information exchange system so an hie and that is an area where we have been able to make a lot of strides exchanging information that that has been very successful it's one of the most populated hies in the country but as you know, that only goes to the border. So how, how do we expand all this is, again, teaching our students that we all have to be in conversation with one another, that we, we can't push the vendors aside. We have, to, we have to talk with them. So, you know, I'm all about bringing everybody together in conversation and getting past some of the barriers we've had in the past and bringing everybody to the table to continue to talk about it. And we haven't figured this out. So we need to continue to talk about it. You know, that that's really kind of a lot of what graduate graduate school is about. It's not necessarily right or wrong answers. It's how to push people to be leaders and change makers.
2: No, I like that um, futuristic focus on really what is required of people to push forward and help facilitate that change. So, you know, mm-hmm. in speaking about that, obviously, that facilitation of these sort of things, what do you think the most important skills are for today's and tomorrow's health IT professionals?
1: I mean, if we talk about the actual hard skills that I think our students, and I won't say enjoy, but find the most useful, I think having a solid sense of a full system lifecycle implementation is important. Quality skills are important. We also have a class on project management. So I think people tend to take that class and not know what they're getting into. And when they come out the other side, they're like, okay, all of life seems a little bit clearer to me, like, now I know how to manage anything that's large. It doesn't have to be a project, but how to break down big things into smaller things. And so I think that's an important skill. If we're talking about actual technology skills, things like SQL and um, data analytical tools, data viz tools, we those are things that we teach that we feel are important for most of our students. Everybody will need something different when they get into the workforce, but those are kind of the the general skills that we felt were important for folks
3: what is your enrollment rate like do you guys like how big is the is the student class that you guys are teaching at the moment
1: so we have three starts a year so your typical fall spring and summer and we enroll students at those three starts and typically we enroll between 15 and 20 students each time we start and we typically have about 50 new students a year What's nice about that is uh, the classes end up being relatively small. You'd never ever be in a class that was much more than 20 students, and even that would be pretty rare. The average size class is, is around 12. What's nice about that is you do get a fair amount of um, engagement from your faculty with class sizes that small, and you, but it's not so small that you can't learn a lot from a lot of your classmates. And really, that's what that to me, that's like the goal of the class, like the discussion board, when everybody from different backgrounds gets together and offers their perspective. I think that is like, that's the goal of it all, like learning about things differently than, than how you come in. You know, I come in, I have a nursing perspective, and I kind of am entrenched in that and maybe even like embroiled emotionally in that. And then I learn from my pharmacist friends, and I think about things a lot differently. And I, I think any class is like that, but this particular program, because we allow such a cross section of different backgrounds, that the learning is really robust.
3: Is it 100% online?
1: It's 100% online. Students in the master's degree do a, a 120 hour practicum experience, and they do that in their community. So that isn't literally online because they have to find an experience where they are, but um, the class that goes along with that practicum experience is online. So, yeah, they don't have to come to Maine ever, except maybe when they graduate if they want to.
3: Do you find that people's engagement starts out somewhat timid with discussion boards or do people jump, does it take a while for people to get comfortable for that online interaction or do you feel like they're ready to jump right in from the get-go?
1: I think it depends. I mean, we have a, a diverse population, of course, so we have people that haven't been in school for 20 years and then, and have never done anything online. More often than not, we have people that got at least part of their undergraduate degree online. Um, there's a fair amount of people that do RN to BSN programs online, and so they have some comfort with it, and they know that it works for their schedule because of the flexibility. So those people tend to jump right in, a- and then you have all different personalities. In a regular classroom, you can sit in the back and not interact. Here, you, you kind of have to interact, but if you're the type of person that's you know maybe a little bit more introverted, it's a little bit safer, and there's something that's a little bit nice about that for certain for certain people.
2: I like that you all have such a large cross-sections of background to work through this because it's just so critical to the success in informatics, like you said, for things to be thoughtful so that things are safe. What do you think are some of the other specific strengths of your program in addition to that online convenience?
1: I think that the other thing that I like most about our program is our faculty. So the way our faculty model works is we, our faculty are all working in the field So they will bring their experience. So oftentimes, a conversation could start and and be had about literally what that faculty did that day, you know, wanted to share something interesting that happened to me today. And students really love the real world side of what our faculty can bring. We all need to learn theories, foundations, the basics and textbook stuff. But then there's real world and students really enjoy that. We try to mix and match faculty so that they get a wide variety of people over the course of their time here. I have faculty that work in large pharmaceutical companies. I have faculty that work as pharmacists, as work as consultants, work for large vendors, that work in hospitals. So they get a cross-section. You know, Not only are they learning from themselves and their classmates, but they're learning from the faculty, which is, again, a varied background. And I think that is something that, is also pretty interesting about our program.
3: Well, I'm thinking about, you know, how important the work that you're doing is basically accelerating the rate of change in healthcare system-wide based on what you're teaching and introducing to these students. So, mm-hmm. more than anything, I'm just grateful that somebody like you is out there doing the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. We try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Megan, can you tell us what's probably one of the most surprising or eye-opening experiences you've had in teaching a class or through maybe a student interaction for yourself?
1: Mm, surprising student interaction. I think you, you, you run across certain students who you see their path, you know, and we have some students that, This is is both surprising and exciting. So we've had certain students that have had struggles and here at the University of New England, our online program, one of the things that sets us apart from others is we have a really strong student support model. So we have every student has their own student support specialist to guide them from the time they are accepted to the time they graduate. And so Sometimes we have students that really kind of struggle. And I think in other organizations, those students would just fail out and go along their way. So we've had some really, really interesting cases where students have had a lot of personal challenges and they've overcome them. And I'm both proud and excited and surprised because I don't think that would have happened at other places. And so graduation day is always full of tears of joy around that seeing students that really, you know, would call and say, I, I'm done, I can't do this, but we've been able to get them through. We've been able to talk them through it. We've been able to get them the resources, the support they needed, the tutoring, whatever it was, and they made it to the end. And that is, again, can be surprising, but also really exciting.
2: That's great to hear the passion they, that you all have to align people to get across that that finish line ultimately whether it's to pick them up in the middle talk them through that coaching right. or, or help facilitate that and i think that, that's a really practical thing that has to be balanced with anyone doing online education let alone something like a program of this nature
1: yeah i mean most of our students are working adult professionals many of them have families so i think there's times where everybody's like i don't know if i can do this and um it's not that they aren't prepared or equipped it's just it just gets hard graduate education is hard and sometimes people have really extreme situations that come up and you know we give them that support to get through and, and that's really fulfilling and one of the things i really like about working here and and the work that we do
3: that's re- really great that you accommodate for that because as we know life is not always just you know easy so we all have challenges and it's great that you work with students to overcome them Megan, is there anything that we have not talked about that you would like to address?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think that for folks that are interested in going on the journey for graduate education, that are interested in thinking about things bigger picture, we have, we have what they are interested in. And I, and I think we have a lot to offer. It isn't easy, but we're, if you're willing to do the work, we are always here to support you, and I think that makes a really good learning partnership and something I'm very proud of.
2: And Megan, if people wanted to reach out to you either personally and directly or learn more about your program, what is the best way for them to connect with you?
1: So if they're interested in reaching out to me, probably the best way to, to do that is um, my LinkedIn page, it's Megan Landry, M-E-G-A-N-L-A-N-D-R-Y. Depending on how busy I am in the school year, uh, I tend to post a lot about what, what we've got going on. Um, we're hosting a, a HIMSS event next week, that type of stuff. So I, I tend to put a lot of information there. And you can also do, uh, message me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, we also happen to have a program uh, Twitter handle. So that is um, IT. And that is a pretty robust feed and has a lot of information there. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to curate the best of what's out there and um, promote the things that we're doing here around our, we do a lot of blogs and articles and interviews. So that tends to be a good place to connect with what's going on in that program. If you're interested in getting information about um, coming to school here, the best way to do that is to reach out to our enrollment team. And the email address is probably the best way to do that. So that is informatics at une.edu. And you really can kind of reach out to any of those and we can redirect you if you need a different form of information.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I think our, listeners have a lot they can learn, no pun intended, um, both from you and uh, so happy that you're able to share more about your robust program uh, that you all are doing so well with and training the leaders of tomorrow in health IT.
1: Thank you. It's been great to talk about it sometimes when you're in the middle of, of everything. Um, it's nice to, you know, reflect a little bit about the good work that you're doing. So it's, it's enjoyable to talk about it as well.
3: Wonderful. Thank you again for um, being a guest. It's really such a pleasure just to learn so much. Honestly, like I feel like I learn a lot with every person that we talk to just about what's going on. And out in the healthcare IT world, Like it is broad and
0: vast. So thanks for sharing your corner of it.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun.
0: Thank you, Megan, for sharing your expertise with our audience. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Heads up, we've got one more episode for this season, and then we'll be taking a short break. If you want to know more about us or Megan, go ahead and check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend, family member, or colleague about this podcast, that would help us out too. Thanks again. See you next time.